At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to The Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. This is episode 31, and we are live with Welfare, the creator and founder of the largest LFG Discord community in Destiny. And we're going to learn much more about Welfare. We're going to learn about the latest updates from Bungie, including the director's cut that went live just a few days ago we have part two that came out earlier today and we're gonna learn and discuss armor 2.0 rocky's excited was that rocky by the way <laughs> i'm guessing it was <clears throat> but uh yeah thanks uh, for everyone being here tonight this is awesome we're in amidst of a pretty awesome time to the game you know with everything that we got this week the um the what is it? The uh, the director's cut from Luke Smith. There was a lot of cool stuff in that read so far. And we're getting part three tomorrow, too. Yeah, people have been super excited and talking about it all day. The last couple of days have just been huge. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much happening in Destiny. And I think the, the last three months have been really big for Bungie as a company and for Destiny as a franchise, we learned about so many things in terms of fundamental changes to the game with Destiny 2 New Light uh, going free to play in October. We're getting an entire expansion where we actually thought we were getting a annual pass this fall. So a lot of a lot of exciting things happening in the Destiny universe. And uh, it's a great time to be a fan. And so let's begin first off by letting everybody know who Welfare is, and we're going to learn much more about him. And on today's episode of the podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, we welcome Welfare, the founder and creator of the largest LFG Discord channel in the Destiny community. We'll learn much more about Welfare, the Destiny 2 PC LFG community, and we'll dive into the latest news from Bungie, including the Director's Cut and Armor 2.0 reveal that happened just a few days ago. So let's begin by inviting Welfare for our discussion with the Guardians. We're going to put you on the hot seat. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. So Welfare, how did you get started with playing Destiny? How did your Destiny journey begin? Well, I um, actually moved across the country and left a couple of buddies of mine back in Florida, moved from Florida to Maine, and we ended up getting Destiny to 
you know, keep the guys together and kind of play and, you know, so we could still hang out and stuff. And we just kind of took it from there and it just, just blew up from there. Met a whole bunch of crazy people, bunch of people like Wook, the co-founder. I actually met him through a uh, Facebook LFG from the first destiny. So <laughs> good times. Wow. That's quite the uh, distance between Florida and Maine. Like you, you went from the extreme South part of us all the way to the extreme North part of the us. Hey, it was worth it. There's less beaches, but there's definitely a lot more quiet up here. So that's nice. Lots of good fishing still too, though. I'm yep. Sure. I'm actually going to get some done this weekend. We're going after some Northern Pike out on a lake up in Northern Maine. It's going to be fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, we're stoked. And doesn't very, very uh, Maine have a really good tradition of having lobster and seafood? Yeah, they, they've got some good stuff. Yeah, I've worked down by the coast in a couple of restaurants, and they've had like some of the best lobster I've ever had in my life. It's the big suckers. That's awesome. <clears throat> and now, when did you stop playing Destiny? Because uh, as, a, as a note for our audience, you did stop playing Destiny... Uh, at some point in 2018, correct? Yeah, I stopped right after Forsaken. I think I got through a couple characters of on Forsaken, and that was that was when I stopped playing. Why did you stop playing Destiny when you stopped? Um, well, a lot of the stuff that I liked from the first Destiny, like the random weapon rolls, and you know, just some of the raids. I just I, I felt like it wasn't. It wasn't what I liked anymore, so I just kind of, you know, losing the ability or the the want to farm weapon rolls that that killed it for me. And the raids just felt lackluster to me. I just didn't really care for them. But I'm really excited seeing what they've got coming back, coming at the the Shadows Keep. That's going to be awesome. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're bringing the RPG to the game. They're bringing more of that focus and. Um, it just the way that they're able to evolve the armor and everything too. Like we're going to be able to just slot mods in to, you know, build our guardian, how we see fit, how we, how we want to fight and everything. So I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. We've had like little shades of that before, but we're going to have, be able to have true builds from here on out. And it's only going to get even better because this is just the start. When Shadow yeah, I think that um, Bungie's making a lot of really necessary changes to the game that will make it better in the long run. I, I don't know if the next expansion that we'll be getting will really be a game changer, but I definitely think it's going to create the foundation for what Bungie can build upon. I know that in the uh, director's cut, Luke Smith did mention that the dev team was struggling to keep up with the pace of the annual pass content. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to transition on their own, mind you, because before they had other studios to help and support them, like Vicarious Visions and High Moon Studios. And now they're going to be losing that. So it's going to be very important for them to make the right decisions and to get it right the first time. And we know that Bungie has been historically known to get things wrong the first time and then have to come back and fix their mistakes. So it's going to be interesting to see how the game develops as we progress into the fall and later this year. 
definitely an exciting time. Definitely. Yes. And I also think that uh, our audience would love to learn about some other things besides Destiny, and that's your creation, your group that you created the discord server so how did the destiny 2 lfg discord get started what motivated you to start an lfg group and how did that all get started with you and your co-founder well wook and i just had a server that we used for racy memes and emotes and we would kind of just use destiny tracker to find people to play with on raids and then add people who were decent and could hold their own to make easy teams. And we joined a couple of other discord LFG servers that weren't, weren't really that great. So we decided we would try our hand in it and then it just, it just started to blow up from there. We definitely did a lot of uh, manual advertising, let's say through Facebook groups and, destiny tracker we were you know you always see people spamming um you know recovery stuff on the uh the destiny tracker thing but we were on there spamming our link to get people away from those guys so they didn't have to pay hundreds of dollars to get a crucible gun that they could just find some people like-minded individuals and do their own thing like how did you guys grow the community to being the number one community on the web i mean we have a Discord group, but we don't ever have people flocking into our Discord or anything like that. So how do you how do you build a community when you were first starting out? Well, like I said, a lot of that was was really dependent on like I would have a, a copy paste set up and I would set a macro to it and let that go on tracker every two minutes while I would sleep or while I was at work or something like that. So you always had that constant advertisement. Then there was a point where I would make raid teams for people. Like when we were just had a few hundred people, if I saw like six people trying to make a team, I would go on to one of the other places and try to get the other couple people finish the team and help them run. And you know, just one thing led to another, and everybody just uh, word of mouth definitely helped out, helped us out. After we got around thirty thousand members, and we stopped advertising, and folks just started to join on their own. That's really cool, and. What are you most excited about with just video games in general this fall? Well, Shadows Keep is looking really good. And, you know, I, I would be a liar if I didn't say that I was was not interested in uh, the new Borderlands that's coming out. You know, let's let's not kid ourselves. That's going to be that's going to be really good or else. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a kind of a sore subject a little well, bit, but. I think um, you are you are right that this is going to be a very monumental and critical point for Bungie as a studio because they're putting all of their bets on Shadowkeep and what they're planning for the future. And if it does not work, one can wonder what's going to happen to the Bungie franchise that they built since 2014. You know, and it, it, these are valid concerns, and I also have some of those concerns as well as a Destiny player and now as Destiny content creator. I think that we want for Destiny to be the best game that it can be. And, you know, with Bungie no longer having Activision to support them, this is, this is kind of a do-or-die situation for them. I think that if Shadowkeep isn't successful, if it fails, then... 
Bungie has no one else to blame. They have nobody to blame but themselves. And I don't know if Bungie as a studio has the finances to continue building a game if it does not sell well. Yeah, I mean, that money that they got from NetEase, they're building like something else, you know, whatever they're building, uh, they haven't talked about it yet. I, I think it was called Project Matter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it, it might be like a cell phone game or something, or it just might be just like a, maybe just <clears throat> a kind of like a space, also like a space RPG or something, but different from Destiny or whatever. But yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, I mean, they are on their own now. They don't have Activision, you know, Papa Activision there anymore to fit the bill and everything. So it makes sense that they would want to come out with a bang with this expansion. And I feel like they're setting themselves up for it. Like all the changes that they're making and everything. With new light, it's going to bring in so many new players. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that it's also really critical that... uh... Bungie learns from the lessons that they had to learn from. And I think they are. And you could tell even this week with all the reveals that we got and the commentary that we got from Luke Smith with the director's cut, you could see that Bungie is a much more transparent company. They're much more open about their thought process and how they want the game to develop and what they want the game to become along the way. So I think that transparency will definitely help create a stronger community in Destiny. And it's going to bring a lot of people together and we get to go back on the moon. So for all the people who play Destiny since vanilla Destiny 1, it's going to be a special place to go back and visit. If you played through Destiny 1, you know the moon. You know, Eris Morn is a very... A familiar character and a very important character especially now that we lost Cade 6 when Forsaken came out we needed a strong character to move the narrative forward and I think that uh, this fall I'm really excited to see what Bungie can bring us yeah I mean Eris has always been like I think the best voice actor in all of Destiny Morla Morla Gondona um, I think she's got an amazing voice and is an amazing talent and just brings so much feeling and emotion into the uh the story and everything. Are there any other games that are coming out this fall, Welfare, that you're excited to play besides Destiny? I know there are quite a few titles that are planned for this fall. Um Borderlands 3 is coming out. I know that's a really big uh release that's gonna be coming out in the fall, although I am very mixed about that game but we're not going to go into it right now but uh will you be playing borderlands 3 or uh i'm looking into it i i have friends that are you know they want to wait for it to be on steam i personally don't care you know with the, the whole store thing i know that's controversial to some people but you know it is what it is uh, it's just a really busy time irl for me you know work wise so it might make more sense to just wait Till it comes out on Steam, but other game wise, I'm the um, I'm a big survival game player. Like I love Ark Survival Evolved, and they just came. They announced a new season pass, so they've got some new stuff coming out. I think it's in uh, December. Plus, they've got some new maps out now. I just haven't played. So definitely looking forward to that, as well as Borderlands. You know, as long as it 
as long as it gets its act together and they come out with a good game, I'll be happy. What about the Outer Worlds? Are you interested in that? I didn't even think about that. I totally forgot because I also play a lot of Fallout, like New Vegas, all those games. I totally forgot that that, man, I feel yeah, bad. October, about that. <laughs> October 25th, I think that game comes out. Yeah, that's right around the corner. To be honest, I, I don't follow like games too closely anymore. I have like games that I want to play, but it's not like like I, I couldn't tell you the exact release date Borderlands 3 is going to drop. Nah, I could have maybe a couple months ago, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't follow it as closely yeah, as I should. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's just so many games. So, like, it's, and it just it grows more and more every year. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's so hard to keep up sometimes. Like my backlog is just, a mile long right now i feel like yeah see i'm trying to not get to that point but when you start playing more than one mmo it's it starts getting to the point where your backlogs run into each other and i, that, I try to not let it get that bad that i can't do i try like i get i people were asking me to play the division uh, division two and stuff like that and i, I was interested but i'm like i <laughs> I was playing Destiny still at the time and everything. It's like I can't, <laughs> I can't devote the time. I couldn't do it. I don't think I could play two, two, two kind of um, you know, big RPG focused games. Yeah, especially if you were talking about something like two World of Warcrafts or you know, four Neverwinters playing at the same time. You know, it gets to be a lot. You yeah. know, my daily stuff. I I play a lot of Neverwinter. It takes me a couple hours to do my dailies and you know, mix that up with playing wanting to play a single player game plus trying to play another game with another buddy of mine it's just you know you only have so much time in the day yeah yeah big worm <laughs> he said that's too much looter shooter yep it is i don't yeah. think i can play more than one at a time <laughs> it's too hard throw some warframe <laughs> in there oh that's gonna be that's gonna be so much to play and i think for me um i was going to pick up borderlands 3 but uh, something kind of happened, and a content creator who I have a lot of respect for, he got into a lot of trouble. They pretty much shut him down, and it was 2K. But uh, because of that, I don't know if I want to support the game because of the things that happened with this. We could uh, have a whole episode on what 2K we, and yeah, uh, Gearbox it, did. Unfor it was an unfortunate event that occurred, but... Um, Definitely, it's uh, affecting me wanting to play the game now because he was somebody who we had on the podcast and we, you know, hung out with him and he was very passionate about the game. And for a company to go and pretty much take down someone's YouTube channel, it, it's it wasn't the right move. But I know it's not the right podcast to be talking about this on. So uh, we are going to move on. Um so welfare what do you do when you're not gaming or helping run the lfg discord uh i pretty much just work and sleep and you know if we're being honest smoke a lot of pot and fish <laughs> it, it's is it like how's maine with their laws up there uh we're legal medically and recreationally but the recreational sales is a is a nightmare oh wow I feel like New York is one of the last states to like, you know, <laughs> do it yeah. to be legal when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. You could hate it. I it really doesn't bother me at all because I'm a big believer of you're entitled to your own opinion. 
I, you know, went through college, graduated with honors, fucking smoked my body weight and weed. You know, that that's that's what I do. That's what I like. It saves me from getting DUIs and keeps me out of trouble. It saves me a little money every now and then. That's how I feel. I don't hate you either way. Yeah. I I, I had my running with it. I mean, I, I did it a lot when I was in college and everything. And that's kind of like why I had a .79 my first semester of college. Okay, yeah. that's I didn't even know about this shadow. Um, yep, that's well, that happens, you know. Like I yeah. said, it's definitely to each their own, and I, it was a it was a whole another world ago. Like it was like over twenty years ago. So, right, just, yeah. Hey, time flies when you're having fun. Something yeah, time, like that. yeah, five years of destiny. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. This game has legs. I've never played a game like this long in my life. Even Halo. I mean, yes, I've played like all the Halos except the three four three Halos and everything. But um I've never played a game like, you know, franchise this long, I believe. You know, other than like Mario or Zelda or, you know, stuff like that. Final Fantasy. I've played a lot of Final Fantasy games. Oh, I love Final Fantasy. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I love pretty much every single one. I could sit here and talk about that stuff for days. Not too big on the online ones. Big fan of all of them, except yeah. for X2. Didn't care for that one. So, yeah. Welfare, what are some challenges that come with running such a large Discord community in Destiny? Well, one of the big ones is when you ping everybody, you get to see how everybody acts like a two-year-old, as you could probably see from um, my server chat. But, you know, that mixed with um, basically just keeping everybody happy. You know, there's there's a big there's, – there's no such thing as making everybody happy, and we, we try to do our best. But, you know, we can only do so much. But other than that, you know, like the challenges, like we – we really just have peer-to-peer -peer interactions. Our staff manager, Navis, he he does all this coding that behind the scenes that it it puts the mods on easy street. Like don't don't let me let that sound like I'm downplaying the mods because they'll be the first to tell you that they do a bunch of work. And trust me, the stuff that they deal with on a daily basis will spin your head right around. That's for sure. But thankfully, Navis has our back when it comes to coding and making sure our servers stay safe and clean, free of anything of that's too offensive. So without him, our server would probably just be, you know, a shit show full of PayPal server invites and recovery spam. Because it's really me, Navis, Wook, Tim, the head moderators, and like 15 to 20, I think we're like 20 members of staff total versus, uh, I don't know, 143,000 people. So I think we do pretty good, and you know, Navis and RankBod, they definitely play a big part in that, as well as the mods. So shout out to all the mods watching. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Except for Wook. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Wook. I think that you guys do an incredible job, um, especially behind the scenes, that most people would not normally think about as, as being an important part in running such a large community. Like moderation, you would never think that moderation would be such an important thing and honestly for me i'm still like even from today i'm learning that moderation is actually an important thing and i'm trying to figure out how to incorporate that and in what we're doing as well yeah these are things that are important that you normally would not normally think about and 
um, it's it takes a lot of effort to create and to sustain such a large community. Now, welfare. How many moderators do you guys have on your team? Um, I would say roughly, roughly twenty. That includes me and the the staff managers as well. If you give me a second, I could tell you exactly what we've got. Oh wow, <laughs> we have nine moderators. Um, 13 chat moderators, four head mods, two staff managers, and then me and Wook. So like 25, 30 people, something wow. like that. Yeah. That's crazy. I was to be kicking in some heads because I didn't know we had 13 chat mods. I never see 13 chat mods online. So if you're listening to this, I'm coming for you. <laughs> now we have people on from all times like, you know, we set it up so we had people watching the chat. Like when I'm asleep on US time, we have somebody watching in England or Australia. So we have people from all over the world that make things make things good for everybody. Yeah, and it's we try to. It's it's crazy because I would never have guessed that there are twenty plus people working behind the scenes to run the Discord group. That's that's pretty crazy now do you guys like often meet like is it is it tough bringing 20 people together to uh moderate and and grow and sustain such a community normally i would say so yes but i've definitely been blessed with a really great staff team we set meetings the sunday before most big dlcs and i would say every time 90 percent of the people show up and everybody's got an opinion everybody has feedback and we love it quality staff members like i i get told all the time i actually got approached by one of my head mods today who will remain nameless and told me thanked me for what we do saying that they had an issue on another server where they um saw some things go down and they were just happy that things are the way they are now this is all destiny 2 just destiny 2 or is it like any other games or anything like that? Nope, we are purely Destiny 2, the PC platform only. And that is for unfortunate reasons, I must say. I mean, well, Destiny 2 is very good on PC. Like, I feel like what Vicarious Visions did when they port, you know, did the port, or they built, you know, the game from the ground up, like, it's, it's, way, it's awesome on PC. It plays so well. I loved the, the swap from playing from console to playing on PC. It was like, it was amazing. 60 frames per second. Being able to turn around in a full circle in less than a second. Holy yeah. cow. Good times. Absolutely, yeah. All, like, you just, you have so much freedom with your movement. You don't feel constrained like you do on console. Because on console, yeah, it's it's... it's it's a whole nother world. Going back and playing on console, like you're fighting your weapons half the time. I'm interested to see how many people are going to be like playing on October 1st. Like it could, the numbers could be huge. Yeah. How many people could be playing? I got a message on Discord from um, certain somebody you guys may know by the name of Damage04 told me that. He was going to let us know that he might be mentioned in our server just to prepare us for a potential influx of new members. So we do actually have Bungie staff on the server. 
Hey, that's uh, that's Dylan, awesome. right? That's one of the community managers. Yeah. And, DMG04. Um, it's, it's great yeah. because Bungie is very supportive of the community overall. They're supportive of the content creators from all the developers who build great applications like Charlemagne and uh, different tools that we use, like the Destiny 2 LF, uh, not LFG, um, the Destiny Item Manager. So there's so yeah. many awesome tools that we have and Bungie's been so supportive between opening up the API and giving, you know, support to people by giving them promotional support and inviting them to even the Bungie Studios. One of our, our previous guests, Red Queen, she actually very recently attended the Bungie Summit. So it, it's great that uh, there's such a great community out there that is supported by Bungie. Yeah, and our guest, uh, you know, from about two months ago, uh, CJ, is going to be going to Bungie. He got um, hired as a uh, for the video from yeah. IGN. Yeah, so CJ, CJ is going to be on the video team now, so that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, congrats to him all around. <clears throat> um. So uh, now. What are some important lessons, Welfare, that you have learned from your experience in the Destiny community and from building this uh, LFG Discord? Pretty much the biggest one is that people don't read. If, if I've learned nothing else from that is that people just don't read. We've got bots that mail you when you join. They tell you what you're doing when you're doing something wrong and tell you not to do it got rules in place for a reason we've got the facts section people just bypass all that and you know just go right to the nearest person i guess even if it's in the wrong place <laughs> so it's like that's that's the biggest thing that we've learned is that folks don't read but another thing that we've definitely learned is that people do not appreciate being pinged <laughs> i could have i could be giving away a free car right now on stream and ping everybody and people would still get angry. And another thing that's kind of funny is you look at the server, like we, we've done giveaways in the past where we ping everybody and we give away free games, et cetera, codes, whatever. And you would think that we would get a bunch of reactions to giveaways, but I think out of a hundred and, I don't know, we'll say 120,000 people a time, the most reactions to a giveaway we ever had was for a year of Nitro. I think it was like three or 4,000. So. I don't know. It just seems seems like we would reach a lot more people, <laughs> but we don't. Not with the everyone pings. Fortunately, every a lot of folks have them muted because you know it it causes a little bit of havoc every now and then. But you know, we save it for special occasions. <laughs> it's like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, that's what Shadowkeep will feel like. It'll yeah. Feel like, it'll feel like Christmas. Yeah. I know that Armor 2.0 is definitely feeling like an early <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit on the show. But uh, before we do, I have a couple more questions for Welfare. More questions for Welfare. What are your thoughts on Bungie going independent, Welfare? Do you think that this was a good move on the part of Bungie, or do you think it was a bad idea? I think it was a good move. I know it could be controversial depending on who you ask, especially if you were to bring up something like this in the Destiny chat. But to be fair, I think the majority of folks are excited for the, you know, for them going in independent and getting away from Activision. 
I think that that's going to be in the long term. It's going to be better for the game. I think it's going to have better content for the people. And I, I personally, I just never really care for Activision on a personal bias level, just from past games and stuff. So I kind of have a little bias involved there, but I've always been a big fan of Bungie. And I, I think that if they think that this is the right move, then it's the right move. So I believe in them. Yeah. I mean, I have a similar, um, you know, it's kind of a, um, a love hate with Activision because I used to love the Call of Duty games and everything. We loved Call of Duty, like Black Ops 2 and Modern Warfare, like playing the survival modes was a lot of fun and everything in that. Um, and uh, Ghosts. I actually like Ghosts. Me and Corn, we played Ghosts a lot. We liked it. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we you know, went from yeah. Call of Duty Ghosts. Well, that was the game that we played before Destiny, and we, that, yeah, Clan Wars. Yeah. Clan Wars was so friends and everything. We it was just, I would love to have something like that in Destiny, like Faction Wars. Call it Faction Wars. You know, um, I think that would be really dope. But also too, at the same time, yes, you can blame Activision, but we wouldn't have Destiny if it wasn't for Activision too. They worked with Activision. Activision put up $500 million for Destiny. Yeah, you know, I, I think we talked so, about I mean, this um, so many times before now. You know, I, I think that you can hate on Activision for a lot of things. We can assume that, okay, they prevented a lot of things from happening with the game, which may be true. You can't also discount that Destiny would not be possible without Activision partnering with Bungie to allow for the game to come to life because they funded a big part of it and they had some really great studios working alongside with Bungie, whether it be Vicarious Visions or High Moon Studios. So there's there's a lot of coordination and effort that comes into play to bring Destiny to life. And I, I appreciate Activision and all of the parties involved who helped bring Destiny to life because... Otherwise, we wouldn't have the game that we have today. Yeah, I mean, they're both responsible, like the people that work, you know, with Activision, you know, the studios like Infinity Ward, Treyarch, you know, um, and Sledgehammer when they were building Call of Duties. Um, very good shooters, you know, as far as like, you know, shooting mechanics and things like that. And also Bungie, great with their shooting and everything. Always known for Halo, you know, Halo putting first person shooters on the map for a console before it was mainly on PC and, you know, Nintendo 64 when you had GoldenEye and everything back in the day. Good times. Good times. Yeah. So for like the marriage of those two, like at the time it seemed great. Like, Oh, we've got call of duty and halo in one, but unfortunately it's like, some of the bureaucratic um, stuff that happens behind the scene that we don't completely know about that we'll read probably in another, you know, Jason Schreier's next book, truly know what happened. But I mean, the writing was on the wall though, you know, let's be honest, you know, I think this was definitely for the better for, you know, I think Bungie is now going to be able to create destiny the way they see fit, like between them and their players. Those are the two entities that are going to decide destiny going forward, just as uh, Justin Turner said in the um, uh, Vidoc. Absolutely. And what would Bungie have to do with destiny 
to bring you back into the game welfare? Do you think that everything you learned about Shadowkeep will bring you back? Will you be purchasing the next expansion, or will you be kind of waiting to see what comes from the next expansion? A big part of me wants to wait and see. I mean, I'm definitely... I don't know. It's, it's kind of silly. I, I might pre-order it the day before. I don't know if you get like bonuses or whatever, but I definitely want to pick it up. But at the same, like it's, it's, it's hard to say what they could do to bring me back because they're already doing a lot of that when they're coming out with shadows keep, you know, Hey, going back to the moon is going to be freaking awesome. But all the stuff, the armor 2.0, the new light and the stuff they show this in the director's cut, you know, all of that, just, that with the, the random weapon rolls, which I know they brought that back a while ago, but it just felt kind of lackluster to me because I felt, you know, you didn't, I, I want something to use all these new guns and weapons in. And I felt like using them on Last Wish or one of the new raids just didn't cut it for me. So them bringing out a new raid with all the other changes, I think if the raid is solid, that's going to be the deciding factor of whether or not I enjoy it. But I'm, I'm for the first time in a long time, really really hopeful which anybody who knows me that says a lot now you said uh king's fall was your favorite raid absolutely loved it right and i'm, I'm kind of with you i i enjoyed the destiny one raids better and everything i thought they were i thought the mechanics were more like i don't know they i just i felt like we had more i don't know it, it, it was more dynamics and you know involved. it was more the bosses were more uh, iconic. They're more like bosses. Yeah. I loved that. That was only my favorite thing, too. Yeah. It just seems like these bosses, have, they haven't been as, like... Okay, Riven, you know... Riven was, was awesome. Cool. Riven was cool. But the other bosses, you know, are just I kind of throwaway bosses, in my opinion, and everything. Um, so it'd be cool to, you know, in Shadowkeep for the, the, the new raid, hopefully we get some boss that's, like, you know going to be like kind of like the bosses from d1 and everything in the raids you know, i'd be happy with that we we used to have yeah. so much fun when we would fight ogres we always used to do it the the hard mode way the flawless way where you stack up the orbs and throw cloak nades at each other just so many good times with so many good dudes but it's just sad though you know a lot of those guys are still stuck on console you know and yeah that, that's unfortunate Hopefully we'll get to see some of them again and we'll get to see them running around our Discord once Cross Save goes live, which is what a couple like six days, I think it is, the twenty first of August. Yeah, yeah. I think is what right I heard. Around, right around the corner. Yeah, that's gonna be a nightmare for not a nightmare. It's gonna be uh the uh, Steam migration might be a nightmare, but we have yeah. planned out. I hope we'll they have the servers. Go. I hope they have the servers short uh, shored up. On October first, because it's gonna—they're gonna get hit hard. Yeah, that's what we're worried about. Like, we have systems in place in mind that are gonna be the whole Steam migration. Everybody losing battle tags, and won't go into too much of what that is. But a lot of folks have messaged me concerned about it. So we, we do have that covered. The biggest thing that we're worried about is the influx of new people, especially if Damage is gracious enough to give us a, a shout out. And we see a whole bunch of people join the server. That might cause some issues on our end, but you know, Discord they 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 do what they can to work with us, and you know, from that we do what we can to keep our server, you know, 
we, we all we like to have fun in ghost posting but the general chat we keep that very clean because not everybody wants to see a bunch of shenanigans when we talk about the game and that that's what we're all here for you know there's the game go meme yeah. on the rest of the internet <laughs> well, with with it going to steam though like steam is such a huge like platform there's so many people that are on steam like with it being free like the new light it's just going to be so many people hitting the servers that day and everything yeah we should give discord a heads up so if any anybody from discord is listening help <laughs> yeah yep. wow. Things well, have been actually could, been running really well, so we're confident. Well, if I could use your help, guys. <laughs> SOS. Now, here's, here's a question for you, Welfare. N now that we know that Destiny 2 is coming to another platform besides Steam, and that's Google Stadia, do you see the Discord community growing to also welcome the Google Stadia players? That could be something that we look into in the future, but then again, you know, depends on we we are limited to what we can do there is a maximum room count and with different platforms comes different lfgs comes different voice rooms if needed and you know eventually it gets to the point where you know we're going to be taken away from one platform to suit another and it's just where we can only do so much unfortunately we've considered making another server but you know as you can imagine this one server takes a lot you know, to, to manage as is. So to ask my staff or my moderators to do it on another server or two, which is, is just, that's, that's too much, you know, and I find in the quality level, level quality staff that we have now is not an easy task, I think. So it would be hard to staff the server with another 30 people. I, I can't think of a full 30 people right now that would be good staff it's just it's really hard we're very picky to say the least yeah definitely i mean it's gonna be kind of small at first because definitely gonna be the smallest platform out of all of them uh, people who adopt stadia and everything and actually play on stadia um but i'm pretty sure and certain that uh cross play will come next year they were already talking about it before you know it's like even on their live stream that they on the um when they were doing the charity stream and everything, somebody asked them a question about it, and they said that they were something they they were looking into. We'll see when that goes live. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I found it kind of interesting that Google Stadia is going to be coming out in November, which is a month after over a month about a month and a half after the game launches on steam so i'm curious to see how that affects sales of the upcoming shadow keep on stadia um and also we don't even know what it how it's going to play yet we still have yet to see that digital foundry video on how what they are up the lag time you know what the latency will be and all that everything because it's going to be a case-by-case -case basis based on your internet and everything so yes yeah. that might restrict some people that might not be the best thing it's it's going to be really interesting because for me i always wanted to have the ability to play destiny in a portable format and the idea that i might be able to pick up a tablet and just continue playing that's pretty exciting so i'll definitely check out new light when that comes out on stadia and based on how iPad that runs how that plays yeah. 
exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting because you know you would think that Destiny Two would come out on all platforms simultaneously because we did see what happens when you release a game on you know consoles, you know one month and then a month and a half later you release the PC version, which is what happened with the vanilla Destiny Two game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the player base on Stadia and how that uh, works and functions as a platform. Yeah. I have one more question for you tonight, and that is what's what's next for the Destiny 2 LFG uh, Discord? Well, we are um, always expanding, always getting new members and Right now we're we're kind of riding the wave, and when we when we get closer to cross save going live, we're gonna have to or the uh, not cross save the uh, steam the steam migration. That's when we're gonna probably start uh start worrying a little bit more because like I said we we have some backup plans for for when the the whole migration thing happens. So for now we're just kind of kind of just growing, getting bigger, and trying to listen to the community and take suggestions as they come in and you know hopefully we can find some that that makes sense we, we would definitely want to give the people what they want but it's always a classic case of trying to make everybody happy at once it can be kind of difficult to do at times so just taking it day by day that's been destiny since day one you know you can't please everybody <laughs> exactly. you know it's just you know they're you're going to implement like a nerf or something that's going to upset like a group of people and then make other people happy. They're like, Oh, I'm so glad that got nerfed. And other people's like, why the hell did you nerf that? I was enjoying that. Yeah. You'd be surprised the amount of DMS that I get thinking that I'm official with Bungie. Like people have DM'd me angry about Titan nerfs and, you know, Luna's this and asking me about official Bungie things. And I have to tell these guys, it's like, Hey, you know, I just run an independent discord server so, but I'm one of the few people, like, if you, if you DM me, my DMs are open, which is, you know, insanity at times. But I actually reply to pretty much all of my DMs. So people people like that, I guess, to be able to talk to this, the guy at the top of the list. <laughs> mm. <laughs> people yeah. like to have a voice. I mean, I've noticed that. Like, And I feel like there's, you know, in this community, like, a lot of people are pretty vocal and everything sometimes you know for the right reasons sometimes for the wrong reasons but you know still they're people and i guess you gotta at least like you know entertain them you know when they have an idea or something so yeah we we try to keep it like our format like when folks post suggestions they, they just come right to us we had them open to everybody but then people would start reacting with you know angry emotes and spelling out bad words and stuff and it just it's not really anybody else's concern so but we we do get a lot of feedback from the community heck a lot of our channels and even some of our permissions have come from you know suggestions from community members that and we have like a couple stat bots that are just super meticulous tells us what we need and, or what's being used what's not being used etc it's nice mm -hmm. that's that's awesome yeah so it was really great to learn a little bit more about you welfare and to learn about the discord lfg group that you created and um what a massive undertaking it must be and th 
thank you for for creating a place for us all to gather and find people to play with. We greatly appreciate you and the community. And I learned about the Discord community first, and then I kind of introduced Shadow Price into it. But it was really funny because when we first learned about the Discord community, he was very apprehensive about going through the Charlemagne registration. He was very like nervous about it, didn't really know what that was so he didn't join at first he was like i gotta sign up for this like that's dumb like <laughs> just go back to our discord i'm like no trust me this works so finally we got him signed up and we've been using the discord group ever since to find people to play with between uh, raids between menageries and and all the flawless things so uh, thank you all so much for all the amazing work that you do over at the Destiny 2 LFG Discord. It, it's been a uh, really invaluable tool for myself and so many other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very uh, set in my ways. Sometimes I'm like resistant to some change. And I, you know, I'm just like, when I see something and it's like, I got to do all this, this for that, really? <laughs> but... In hindsight, uh, you know, I guess I'm glad that I went through it because now have a never-ending source of guardians to play with. And everything, so. For whatever it's worth, that's actually not really an uncommon thing. We get folk, I get DMs all the time from people, and they're just like, "I have to register for this," and I, I can't imagine that the poor guys over at the Charlemagne server they must hear that crap all the time, like security threats and stuff. And it's like, come on, guys. I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have 140,000 people in here if I was hacking everybody's account. Use your head. <laughs> For me it was just yeah. didn't want to go through it. Like I was just being lazy. Like well, that I can't blame you. I can be <laughs> lazy myself. <laughs> so <laughs> it it was all me. It was not nothing to do with it. It was it was just me getting over myself. Basically. That's good. Yeah. I was I was very adamant about making sure that he signs up. So it took me a couple of tries, and I was like, dude, just try it. Took a couple days, but then finally he joined. He's like, oh, wow, this is really cool, actually. This is a really cool group, and we've been using yeah. it ever since. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you guys here. Yeah, absolutely, and thank you thank for you. having yeah, us. We really appreciate, appreciate you having us. And, uh, yeah, so we have some cool things to talk about tonight because there was a series of director cuts uh articles written by luke smith who's the game director for destiny 2 and he had some very interesting things to say in his uh director's cut about so many different things uh i believe part one was mostly focused on reflecting on the last year in destiny 2 and uh, we're going to talk about part one tonight on the show and uh, Luke Smith began by stating that today I'm going to talk about more than just Destiny the game and to talk some about how we build Destiny and the effects it can have on the team. I think transparency about the game is important and I also want to be transparent about the work required. So it sounds like there were some challenges that came with bringing the annual pass to life that I didn't really think would be an issue because I thought, well, they have other studios working on this content, so it should be easier on the teams at Bungie to be able to push out 
the content between Season of the Opulence, Season of the Drifter, and Season of the Forges. Um, now, Welfare, have you played any of those expansions at all, or did you pretty much stop shortly after Forsaken? I think the last thing that I did was was Last Wish. So I, I stopped pretty much right after. Did you get your uh, 1K voices? I didn't. I did Last Wish a couple times, and to be honest, I wasn't too thrilled by it, so I kind of just focused more on the Discord. And that was right at the time when things, like when Forsaken hit, things started getting really crazy at the Discord. So I felt like I was spending all my free time doing Destiny stuff, and I, I guess I just got kind of burnt out on it. Yeah, it, it's no Vex Mythic class, in my opinion. So, uh, man, nothing will beat Vex Mythic class year one in Destiny, man, especially in PvP. And I hate PvP, but I used to love stomping people with that gun when it was broken. Oh, my God, it was four Such shots and they were dead. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. just like pew, 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 dead. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, I got some uh, theories about this um, based on, you know, what Corn said about it being easier for them to, you know, to crank out the content and everything. Like I was talking with uh corn off stream uh, earlier. And I think what was happening here was I think Activision. Now this is all speculation. None of this is like gospel. I think Activision was talking to Bungie and was like, look, we need you to get content out, you know, and they kind of didn't care the quality of it. It's just like, we need we need at least three pieces of content out after Forsaken and everything, you know, to keep the player base engaged and whatnot. Now, some of it was better than others. Obviously, Opulence feels better than the other two did, Black Armory and um, the Drifter, Season of the Drifter. And I think they're kind of like, just get it out there. And and I think that's kind of like how the, the quality suffered, basically, by just putting it out there and unfortunately not filling it with enough things to do that were actually worthwhile to do it, it just became a grind to do the same thing over and over again and that just gets old and tiring after a while yeah that's why i'm real hopeful for shadows keep you know bringing all raid like all the other stuff from the direct cut and light i'm super stoked for the the new armor progression system, the whole new leveling system. I just think it's going to have, I've been wanting them to bring that RPG feel back to destiny. Like I, I really like RPG looter shooter. That's, that's, that's just awesome in general. And just to hear that they're bringing back more aspects of an actual RPG to it is actually pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, people try to get me to go play the division and everything like that. I'm like, okay, this is great, but you can't jump. You can't jump in this game. I like the freedom of the movement and the shooting and everything and that we I get in Destiny. That's why I always come back to Destiny. All right. So, I mean, yeah, it's great that the Division have all these awesome mechanics with their gear score and getting all these different weapons and everything. Shooting a guy with a hoodie like that takes about a thousand bullets to kill. So, I mean... Yeah. That and that's what killed the division for me. I I watched like um, the 2013 reveal that they showed at E3 of the division, and that game that the one they showed off in 2013 looked awesome and everything. The graphics were amazing. Everything was great about it. And then when we get the game, it's nothing like what was shown at E3. 
So that that kind of killed that game for me. Ask Corn. I was super um, excited for that game, and then when it came out, I was just like, "The hell is this?" <laughs> yeah, I remember people were saying that was the Destiny killer. They were wrong. Destiny killer, and then they said Anthem was going to be the Destiny killer. Like yeah. <laughs> nothing's going to kill Destiny, but Bungie and Destiny. Yeah, pretty much. Not even the angry community can stop them now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, they've had people odds with different times, you know, throughout its life cycle. But guess what? We're still here. And we're excited for Shadowkeep. Yeah, as they say, the moon is haunted. The moon is haunted, yes. And it's haunted. There's, I think I agree with you guys on a lot of things here. Um, I've gotten burnt out in Destiny as well. I think that every season when, when we get towards, like, the last month... I start feeling the burnout and even when I go back and play other games like Zelda Breath of the Wild, you know, I realize that there are so many games out there to experience and there's so much to do. So I'm less inclined to grind the same thing over and over, right? Years ago, I would be fine with farming the Omnigal Strike to get the weapon I want. I think today I'm less excited to grind something out over and over again if i don't get it i'll just lose interest and here here's where i'm going to throw that you know that was worth grinding for the grasp of malik what is worth grinding for right now in the game and yeah, talk about grasp of malik man i remember getting treads upon stars and uh the imago I was on Xbox. I didn't have that strike that you could just keep farming the boss over and over again we had to wait for a nightfall on the friggin one of the strikes, I don't remember the name of it, but I finally got one with a Fate Bringer roll. It sits on my Destiny item manager for my Destiny one gun with all my other godly roll guns. I like to show that thing off every now and then, but a lot of folks don't know what it is. <laughs> right, and scout rifles have been just like non-existent yeah. in the game since it, you know, came out. I was a big fan of scout rifles in the first one. You know, I had my hung jury. I godly treads upon stars with super good rolls on it like i had all kinds of crazy stuff just from hours and hours of farming the same thing i just i never got burnt out on it because i just wanted that one that one perfect roll good times you, you know this kind of reminds me of the uh the fact that scout rifles are going to be brought up to power with shadow keep and i think luke smith mentioned this during one of the parts of the yeah, director's he cut, that. he mentioned he said scout rifles specifically, yep. and I'm I'm excited to have scout rifles be a viable option in gameplay because I think scout rifles have been under loved in the last year or two, so it's going to be nice to go back and be able to use things like Nameless Midnight and other scout yeah. rifles, and I'm sure we're going to get new ones too. Yeah, I would love a nice new Shadow Keep Scout rifle that actually will be worth using. You know, that's that's exciting for me. Even like I would like a sidearm. I would like to have a reason to use sidearms and stuff. I mean, I hear Rat King is good though when everybody uses it and everything. I've heard so, the same thing. I, you know, I sometime I gotta try it. I just I I haven't played a lot. Right. I mean, I've been very busy with work lately. I had to work a lot of overtime this week putting in like 40 hours of overtime so <laughs> yeah you've been that. working like a madman this past week we have not had a chance to play destiny much at all 
And um, yeah. go, going back to uh, Luke Smith and the director's cut, there was a list of goals that Luke Smith brought up that the team has. And that is to create an amazing action MMO in a single evolving world that you can play anytime, anywhere with your friends. And I think that statement was very powerful because it kind of foreshadows what we're going to be getting as the future of Destiny content releases. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't think we're going to be getting any more major releases that are just standalone. I think that they're going to be adding on to the game because they want to create a more unified Destiny experience that's one whole single world that grows as you keep playing yeah luke luke reiterated that in this uh in his uh article here um because he talked about that originally when they revealed in the reveal for shadow keep during the um the reveal um stream that they had and that was what he said when he first came on camera and everything they wanted it to be an awesome action mmo uh, that you know people will be able to play any anywhere and everything single evolving world all those words yeah and i think it also kind of tells us that cross play will be coming in the future maybe it's it wasn't ready this fall but by next year i definitely see it becoming a reality in the game yeah the console's got to get to 60 like have being playing with somebody from PC to on console that is still at 30, like, you know, we'll just absolutely destroy people on console. You know, it's just, they'll be fighting their weapons when they were, you know, we'll have, we'll already have them, you know, if it's PVP, I mean, they could do it for PVE. I mean, that's probably not a problem, but PVP is where their problem lies right now. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. And we did learn some other things from the last six months in Destiny that uh, Luke Smith did bring up. He brought up that some aspects of the annual pass worked well. Um, the annual pass was also considered a transitional phase for Bungie with the annual pass from the traditional DLC model to a content that is split up throughout the entire season now for you guys do you feel that the annual pass model works better or do you think that what we had before in destiny one where we had the house of wolves the dark below do you think that dlc model worked better or do you prefer what we have today i think the annual pass has the potential to work better just because they'll be able to fill it with more content. Whereas with the original DLC, you got like what, a few story missions. And then you got like, you were lucky if you got a raid, you got a new activity probably and stuff like that. But you're also getting new activities with these annual pass drops. I feel like the idea was good, but the execution was off. If they can, you know, hone down on the execution of it this time around, I feel like it has a chance to be pretty good. Yes, I, I enjoyed those a lot. I enjoyed um, uh, 
uh, Dark Below and House of Wolves and uh, those smaller ones and Rise of Iron. But I, you know, where they're potentially looking to take the game, I have a feeling that they're trying to actually make these annual passes better than what we had this year. That's my feeling. I personally like the way that they came out with the content for the first ones. Just the style of the releases kept me playing. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to say the same thing. I agree with Wealth. I think they need vendor refreshes. I think they need to put vendor refreshes in. Like, that's that's what they're missing. They're missing vendor refreshes. They're missing... Uh, this is Shadow Price talking, by the way. They're missing vendor refreshes. They're missing... Um, Arms Day. Remember Arms Day from Destiny One? Yeah, Arms Day was fun. That was cool. You you know, you went every Wednesday and actually got to uh you know try out some of the, the wep- new weapons that came, you know, and, and you went through them and you did your orders and then you got a new weapon on Wednesday with uh, random rolls. Uh, so I think it's missing things like that, like more investment um game things. And I think you know, I think uh, they're going to address some of that. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with you on that. I think they're going to be addressing a lot of things with Shadow Keep in terms of the season that we have now with the content. I like the certain aspects of this annual pass, but I definitely think it feels very much incomplete. It feels like we were missing a storyline completely even though there was some really great lore in the annual pass. But I think in terms of a camp, a proper campaign, we really didn't get anything along those lines. Not in the Season of the Forges, not really in Season of the Drifter, although we did get some really nice cutscenes with that. And I would say Season of Opulence was a little bit on the weak side. Um, I think Season of the Drifter, while it had great lore, it was missing... Any kind of end game that was very meaningful, I think that the reckoning didn't quite really meet my expectations. It got very stale very quick, and Gambit, while it was fun, I think that after playing it for three, four months, I started getting tired of it. And I think after I got my Dredgen title, that's when I just kind of lost interest in continuing the grind because getting the dre- the dredgen title that was really grindy in and of itself so by the time i was done with it i didn't want to keep playing that activity anymore and i think that's kind of the problem with this year and with the content in destiny i think you know there's a point where you're grinding for something you get the item and you just don't want to continue playing it because there's, there's not enough depth, whereas you have games like Skyrim and The Witcher. And sure, they're different games, different genres, but those are games that keep me immersed and wanting to know what's going to happen next. And I almost feel like I've been missing that in Destiny with Destiny 2. Yeah, I mean, if you put like you know, two activities up against each other, one from Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. You put Prison of Elders next to, like, The Reckoning in um, Gambit Prime. Prison of Elders beats both of us. I miss Prison of Elders. So many good times. Yeah, it was a more fun, engaging activity. The the weapons were better and things like that, too. Kicking Um, Skolas' ass every week. 
Yeah. So I mean, I feel like yeah, though they did they did the encounters and everything better. I felt like in D one, you know, and the idea of the annual pass is a good idea. It's just the execution has to be better. You know, yeah, like I, I totally agree. The content has to be more. It's got to be. It's got to be have more depth and it's got to be more fun. It's got to be something we want to keep going back to. Not something that we're just going to sit and just say, oh, I wish this was Destiny 1. Now, guys, this is just a thought, but what if Bungie can pull something off where we get proper DLCs and then on top of the proper DLCs, we can buy an annual pass that gives you more of the seasonal content model? Do you guys think that would maybe work where if we got two proper DLCs, but then on top of that, we got the season pass? No, that's, I don't think that's sustainable. No, them, they, they blow through, we blow through content too fast. We would be done with that way too early. I don't think that's sustainable at this point. I think the annual pass is what they're going with. That's what they said. They're going to put out Shadow Keep, and then they're going to have the annual two, class 2.0, which is going to have seasons. But then you're, you know, those seasons are going to have, uh, you know, the paid content that's going to be what ten dollars a piece, a la carte. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think they said. So, I think that's a good idea, but they just have to, like I said, they it's all about the execution and everything, because they're going to have the players. If the content is good, they're going to have the players, but they just got to execute on it. Yeah, yeah no, me agree. personally, I just want the raids. Like, I, I miss the whole the raiding experience, the camaraderie, the friends. You know, it was it was my, my one of my favorite things. Yeah, and I mean, they have to fix PvP too. Like right now, I mean, I I know there are a lot of people out there that don't really like PvP. I like PvP. I'm more of a Destiny One PvP person. I loved PvP in Destiny One. I thought it was just like, like a perfect balance. Loved my thorn. <laughs> yeah, nerf. Thorn and um, the uh, Her Benevolence Sniper LDR, you know, like uh, 77 Wizard, uh, all those awesome weapons, Shadow Price, like uh, those awesome weapons that we had in D1 and everything. You know, Self-Res Warlocks. <laughs> yeah, Clutch Warlocks, Solar Nades, <laughs> all the good stuff. Well, Solar Nades are still around, but the Self-Res mainly. I remember spamming the solar nade, you know, I, I was a big fan of pushing the bosses off the cliff. Even even when it was wasn't about get loot, it was about just doing it for fun. I used to love doing that. Yeah, and there's some connect, you know, there's some uh, familiarity that is coming back to the game. Like you're gonna have ascended shards as one of the upgrade materials yeah. for uh, your gear, your armor when you go to masterwork. Like that's 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 like a small nod to nostalgia. Yeah. Like when I saw that on the stream, I'm like, oh, Ascendant Shards. Awesome. They made a comeback. Yeah, I was pretty pretty happy to see that Ascendant Shards were coming back into the game. Now, do you guys think Ascendant Shards are going to come back in the same form that they were in Destiny 1 where you got them from raids? Or do you think that we'll be able to get them from multiple destinations and sources? I think there'll be multiple for multiple. I don't think yeah, that's so. what I think too. Yeah. I have a feeling it would be hard to put those behind one raid because not everybody's going to play the raid. Let's exactly. just exactly, you know, it's as much as they do to make it accessible. There are going to be people that just aren't going to play it. Yeah. There's a lot of folks like that. That's just how some people roll. So some people just don't like 
you know, doing all that. They'd rather just do milestones, play solo and be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance the economy in Destiny this fall. We know that the Glimmer uh, values are going to be going up, where now you can have 250,000 Glimmer, which is a welcoming change. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the economy changes and evolves with Shadowkeep as well. And we know that uh, Luke Smith also talked about a few other things in part one of the uh, director's cut. And he talked about Destiny having a power source problem. And we did kind of talk about this briefly, but he goes on to mention that as the game's weekly sources of power grew and Destiny grew with it, this at times could really feel like a chore. Each season brought with it new powerful sources and optimizing your character meant that you were maybe still running three story missions every week or returning to the Dreaming City months after those first few magical trips from the last fall. Very true. He goes on to state that I feel like we needed to do a better job of shifting power sources, we could explore things like changing the value of powerful sources to create new seasonal efficiencies or retire some powerful sources as we bring new sources into the game. Simply put, I wish we'd been able to do more seasonal curation of the game. This is very transparent of Luke. I, I like what he said about this. I, I like what he said about all of it, you know, in this director's cut. You know, it's very revealing. And I, I agree with him. Like, there's way too many sources for powerful rewards. Like, it, it just, it dilutes from the specialness of that. You know, yeah, It casualizes it too much. I never cared for that. I liked how, you know, people had to wait. You know, some folks just can't wait, and that's unfortunate. That takes a lot. That I mean, I guess it makes it more accessible for people that don't have time, but, you know, for I, I prefer it the other way. But yeah, I'm glad I, I want them to get rid of it. I think it was somebody said it was like 40-something powerful Ingrams you can get a week per character or something when Iron Banner's in town. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's way too many. Yeah, way too many compared to the what six that we used to get per character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I think my gripe (laughs) with Destiny Two has always been all the powerful pursuits. I do think that everyone who enjoys playing Destiny should have the ability to play what they want, but I do feel that at the same time, certain accomplishments and milestones in the game should be based on certain activities that you can play and that's how you get those things like for example the raid i think if you want to reach the max power level i think it's not unacceptable for bungie to require that you play through the raid quite a bit in order to get there i actually enjoyed that grind i enjoyed going into the vault of glass and farming the ascendant shards or the radiant shards so i can get my armor we talked briefly about this, the Forever 29. I mean, once you got that accomplishment, once you have done the raid so many times and you reach that max light level, you feel a sense of accomplishment that I almost feel like doesn't exist as much today. 
And because we get powerful engrams from everything and from uh, prime engrams, which I'm not a big fan of, it almost felt like the game created a source of power to supplement what it couldn't allow you to accomplish without it, right? Because prime engrams almost felt like a way for Bungie to say, okay, we know we messed up with the power system, so we're going to give you guys something bonus in order to give you a boost. And it, it didn't quite feel as good as the ability to go and play, you know, Nightfalls or to play through Trials of Osiris. And those were pretty much the main sources of getting powerful gear. You couldn't get that from playing story missions or playing regular Crucible matches. You had to play Endgame. And I I kind of miss that system. And I hope they, in some way, bring parts of it back. I think they're uh, making some strides to bring in that back, though. They, If you read his second uh part two of the director's cut there's going to be pinnacle pursuits like pinnacle like you're going to get pinnacle gear from doing that like those pinnacle activities like the raid and everything that you're only going to be able to get well from the raid and everything else is going to soft cap you i believe at 850 light if or 950 light excuse me if you want to get to 960 light or potentially above that you have to play the raid which i really like that because it gives us a reason to grind rather than to increase the number of raids you've completed. So, hey, maybe you can have that cool title in the Discord server, right? I almost feel like that's why most people play the raids multiple times. Not so much for the drops, but ironically for the titles they can get in your Discord server, uh, Welfare. Yeah, people, we actually hear that a lot. We try to... Buddy, but, you know, it's... Some folks want them harder. Some folks want them easier. But it does keep people playing. When we put out the 100 clear roll, people were grinding their faces off to get that just to be one of the special few out of 100,000 plus to to have that roll. So sneak peek, we are looking at going back towards that eventually, you know, know, possibly when Shadowkeep comes back when the next season starts. But, you know, you didn't hear it from me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i want that feeling back in d1 when you played the raid over and over again because it was fun to actually yeah. do and everything you know that's what i want the garden of salvation to be like and i really hope that it, it will be and everything it'll be a raid that i want to come back to over and over again yeah same because they put good loot in there actually so uh, that's what i'm that's what I'm thinking about it. So, Yeah, and we're going to find out in just a month and a half. We literally have a yeah. month and a half before Shadowkeep comes out. It's kind of hard to believe that it, it's... it's I can't believe so it's soon. launching in October. Like, this is yeah. the first Bungie release to launch in October. That it's I, a big one. They, it's all, they've always been September. Like, it's... I mean, yeah, Halo 2, I believe, was uh, November, or if I'm not mistaken. But that was a long time ago. (laughs) One of our our members in chat actually brought a good point. Thank you very much, uh, My Passion FB. He stated that I've played since the 2014 Alpha. There's not much excitement or surprises, and doing activities that's 
been around since Forsaken launch isn't fun for me. I agree. I agree with him 100%. I agree with him. I agree with him. And that is my yep. problem with the annual pass because we haven't gotten a single new strike, a single new Crucible map. And what kind of upsets me about the whole Crucible situation is that, I don't know if you guys remember, but before Forsaken came out, the Crucible team was gloating about how everybody will get access to all the Crucible content uh, once Forsaken is is live, and there was no everybody got access because they didn't make they didn't make no maps any they, new yeah. maps, and it's yeah, like well exactly. you guys didn't really make anything new, and not only that but they took away the real end game part of the Crucible, which to me was Trials of Osiris or Trials of the Nine, and. That was a pretty big blow to the game, in my opinion. Between the strikes, it and... killed it for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Like so many people left after trials went out and everything, you know. And it's um also too like the it's just they weren't not only were there no new maps or anything like that. It just like everything felt so samey. Like the the environments and everything that you played PvP on, you would get the same maps over and over again because there just wasn't much in the playlist. Like you brought up before, like in Destiny One, there uh, how many is there? Like almost forty maps. Yeah, in D1? yeah it doesn't feel like it, but man, there sure is. There was tons of maps, and they think... updated it very frequently in D One. And here's something else that I think Bungie realized, and I think that was something that. I felt very strongly, especially when Destiny 2 first came out. I really didn't like the fact that Destiny 1 was made obsolete very quickly once Destiny 2 launched. As soon as the game yeah. launched, it was almost gutted where you have Crucible there, you have all these things, but there's no Iron Banner, there's no weekly reasons for you to continue grinding the game. And that was pretty unfortunate because I think that some of the weapons that I have in Destiny 1 are some of my favorites to this day. The armor looks the best in Destiny 1. I think there's so many aspects of Destiny 1 that worked so well once Rise of Iron came out that it was really sad to see them can just start fresh because I, I think they could have built on that experience and made the game better for it. I completely agree. And that's why we lament the loss so much of, you know, losing all that, everything that we had from Destiny 1. Because it felt like when we went to Destiny 2, we didn't have a lot of those things when we played. You know, PvP was 4v4, no more ammo sense, um, you know, no, no more random roles, fixed roles. I mean, it's like we lost our, like, our hobby. Like, that was actually fun. You know, it's like we put we went into the game and it was just so gutted that it just did it not feel special. And then when Curse of Osiris came around, it just was like, oh, yeah, we're also XP throttling you, too. So. Yeah, that was not a good look. Surprise. And I, I don't know. Do you, do you guys think they were deliberately doing that or do you think that it was just a bug in their game? I think it was probably a bug. They know the community would have been over it. You know, it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It's not like it made the leveling take an extra two weeks or anything. It took maybe an extra half hour to an hour. It wasn't, I remember, it, was, it wasn't that bad. It was so minuscule. Like It was just uninspired, though. The content yeah. was so uninspired. It didn't, did not have anything in the game that was actually worth getting, worth grinding. Felt the same way. 
And that's when I took a break and I'm just like, I'm not having fun playing this right now and everything. It's just, this, this is like, yes, it's on PC and it's great to have like it looking and having high frame rates and everything, but it's just, this isn't fun. And that's when I bowed out too. It's like, that's when I was like, the Leviathan really killed it for me too. Trying to do the prestige Leviathan and not getting that done. Like every time I went in there and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I did take a break. I think that it's important to take breaks when you're playing a game for as long as we've been playing Destiny. Five years is a long time to play one single game. And there are so many games that are worth our time. So many Nintendo Switch games. I know we talked briefly about Nintendo Switch before the show. Uh, and uh, just games in general. Uh, like you look at games like No Man's Sky. They just came out with a new update in that game. And they've been putting in a lot of effort into it. So there's there's so much so much for us to play as gamers and not just Guardians and Destiny. And I think if we do take the time to play other games besides Destiny, we won't be as upset when something isn't really going our way. Because it's it's okay to take breaks. I don't expect for Bungie to keep us playing Destiny 365 days out of the year. I think it's almost unrealistic i think at this point you know it's like before they were like oh you can go play other games you know they were trying to be like truthful about it and everything but i think at this point they're like we're going to build the tools and we're going to build the environment and you know we want you to play in our world and everything you know they're not going to say go play other games now like that's that's not the culture at bungie and there were a few other things that uh luke smith talked about in part one of the director's cut he did go on to talk about that they had some guidelines for the encounter designs and they had some methodologies on season of the drifter they felt season of the drifter was too specialized which i kind of agree i think that with Season of the Drifter, it almost felt like it was the seasonal content for those who enjoyed Gambit. But if you did not, then there was not much there for you besides Reckoning. But that's kind of part of Gambit too. And I think Gam a Reckoning had its own set of issues, especially after they nerfed the bridge part where you couldn't really easily get that completed. Yeah, when they nerfed, uh, what was it, the the rigs, the uh, Orpheus rigs and everything, where you wouldn't get your, and um, Shards of Galenor, you wouldn't get your super back as fast and everything. But they shouldn't have, um, they shouldn't have designed an activity, though, around an exotic. And Luke goes on to say that's what they did, like, in this uh, read and everything. So that's one of the mistakes that they said they made. Yeah. And uh, Luke Smith also went on to mention that uh, there's some interesting changes that they have to make with Gambit. They mentioned that they can either go with Classic or Prime, but not with both. And I, I found that pretty interesting that they said that. I'd like Classic. I think Classic would be all right. Yeah, Classic's good enough, you ask me. I agree. Yep. I would I would prefer Classic over Gambit Prime. I think I played more of Classic Gambit than Gambit Prime anyways. 
And yeah, if you look Gambit. at our channels, you'll definitely see more people that are, are just searching for normal Gambit than, than Prime, at least most of the time. Yeah, Gambit Prime got to, like, with the boss trying, you know, like, getting invade. People got to invade, like, every, like, 40, 30 seconds, you know? So it's like you would get boss damage done, and then the boss would have be at full health, and that would happen over and over again and everything, you know? It's just like... It, w it wasn't dynamic enough you know you i mean it's cool yeah. that you you know there's a back and forth and you got a chess match going on but it just it didn't feel like it was um any evolution of the mode definitely and and there were also some really interesting things that we learned about uh with a team at bungie called the valvita team and they were put in place uh right after crota's end with the modem cheese to counter that and to find game-breaking bugs that would ruin a honest experience for all players with the game yeah that, so they were the cheese, did, the cheese team the cheese basically. team i like that that's why they named them after you know the velveta <laughs> yeah so Process yeah cheese. bungie's funny when it comes to that they, they definitely have a sense of humor like yeah they definitely you know. do they adopted Jason Jones' sense of humor. Heard yeah. it was just bad. That was awful. <laughs> the raid itself, or did you just like the the, the disconnecting? That was awful. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was. We definitely did it though. Back in the day, I did my share of it, but looking back, it was awful. I was yeah. the designated <laughs> go to go to dashboard person, basically, because we were on Xbox. Uh, nice. The designated dashboarder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, honestly, I think cheesing in Destiny has become kind of the staple of the game, and I think if they just completely removed any kind of cheesing, it just wouldn't be Destiny. Because we were cheesing from the very beginning during Vault of Glass when you would tip Atheon off the ledge with a warlock. I mean, that's been part of the game since yeah. day one. Now, it's interesting to see how Bungie approaches the whole cheesing in the game, because... Very recently, there was a cheese for the exotic uh, pulse rifle, Bad Juju, where you could essentially, instead of going through the, um, what was it, the tribute hall and going through, you know, getting all the bounties completed through that, you could essentially get 50 tributes pretty easily within like an hour's time. And they did kind of patch it where they took away the masterwork for Bad Juju. And I thought that was yeah. pretty interesting that they would do that because I think that was the first time they actually did something like that. But I don't think it's it's too unfair or too, you know, bad for them to do something like that. Um, there were some... Uh, encounter design guidelines that uh luke smith did talk about and uh shadow price did you want to share the guidelines that luke smith talked about during the uh, director's yeah. cut sure uh so yeah guidelines for encounter design uh there you go he goes on to say we do we don't want to spawn enemies behind the player and we want players to play a game of play a game of taking space from enemies we want players to have cover where their shields and health can recharge 
or where they can to be smart using geometry, movement, ability, and gunplay to dig enemies out of cover and make interesting decisions about target prior prioritization. We want players to be able to understand where in space enemies will come from, and if we're going to reverse the combat from front on players, aka spawn enemies behind them, we want to telegraph that. They say they we use dropships, spawn clouds, audio cues, all kinds of tricks to try and prepare players for reinforcements. As character power was dramatically increasing, uh, more on reasons for this increase later on, the encounter rules got thrown out the window. So, yeah, that's kind of like what his uh, he he wanted to devolve that information uh, about what their design philosophies were and everything on their AI, why they didn't want them to, to spawn behind people, uh, guardians out in the in the world. Yeah, and and Luke Smith also does mention that they want to challenge players to use a variety of weapons and armor for the activity that they're playing. So they want for certain builds to be specialized for certain things that you're playing instead of everybody, for example, using the uh, sniper rifle that gives you infinite ammo that was patched, uh, the Whisper. Which he did also talk briefly about the Whisper as well. And uh, Luke Smith also mentioned something very interesting referring back to Halo. He mentions that Halo brought heroic difficulty, which made enemies more accurate, fire more frequently, increased projectile speed with lower player damage output, making enemies feel smarter. Yeah, and... I remember playing uh, Halo in heroic and legendary modes. That was kind of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that AI was super smart. Like, you yeah. just predicted your movement. When you throw a grenade, they just bounce out of the way. Thrown right everything. out of the way. Yeah. I remember the chieftains, trying to fight the chieftains and everything. They were a pain in the ass. I remember <laughs> trying to fight literally anything with the sword and then getting run through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even in PvP, that sword was pretty deadly. Yeah, it was. You do that sword lunge from about 20 feet away. But then you get the nice bull true when you get that shotgun on that sword player. <laughs> <laughs> I really kind of miss the challenge, uh, the, the the harder activities in uh, Halo. I really miss legendary difficulty. I wish they bring a form of that back because it was a lot of fun to play through the campaign in a legendary difficulty. Yeah, they just need to bring tier of uh, difficulty, I feel like. Yeah, and the, you know, nice. they do that kind of in... Uh, the division we, i know we talked briefly about the division but they have different tiers of activities based on where your character is at yeah i mean and then all of a sudden they stopped doing hard mode for like the raid and everything you know yeah why, that why was you guys think they did that i don't know i think they did it to maybe casualize the game adding you know dozens of sources to get you know powerful engrams from i definitely feel like that was a step towards casual they were like making it more casual that, and I don't think they had the time to do it either. Right. I mean, do you really think it was the time? I mean, to, for them to create a yeah, harder version of it? Because it just... I do because of what we got for the content and everything. Like, it, it was lacking in a lot of ways and everything. Like, you know, when it comes, you said, like, no story at all and things like that. 
and you know just some of the activities were just throwaway activities like you played them a few times and it's like got got bored after a while doing them yeah and um we we also know that luke smith goes on to talk about the whisper he said he stated that the whisper would not have been designed like the black hammer with infinite ammo if they had gone back but he did mention they needed to make the game feel more powerful at that time and i think they designed the weapon around summertime of 2018 yeah if um when you see the actual opening uh, you know thing before their stream i think it was said uh july 17th so that's a special day for me um yeah. so there's somebody has a birthday in my family that day so who is it that would be my son oh okay that's cool because you kind of left it on a suspenseful like well whose birthday is yeah yeah that's cool. my son's birthday like whisper came out of my son's birthday so that that's cool. awesome it was it was like made for him good timing yeah your son is also a pretty big fan of the game isn't he he, he loves destiny he does um he he plays occasionally when he wants to ride around and do he likes destiny one a lot still he loves doing prison of elders like that, that that's like his thing that's his jam i like that a lot too i enjoyed prison of elders except for skolas the first day <laughs> oh my skolas. god that's awesome I, I don't... it was a good fight that was a really good encounter that they designed it was hard too hard as hell yeah i think skolas was yeah. the most challenging boss fight that we ever got in destiny it was so so tough Vanilla skull the sheer yeah. number, yeah, the sheer number of ads that were everywhere, yeah. and the mechanics that were involved, it, it was passing pretty tough. Yeah, passing yeah. the taint. Oh man, so it it was pretty challenging. And Luke Smith also talks about upcoming changes in Shadow Keeps, buffs to things like scout rifles, nerfs to mechanics that circumvent the ammo economy refactoring of the way damage stacking rules work so we can expect all that with shadow keep but not only that but pursuits tab oh man now i know welfare doesn't really know about the uh, the changes to the pursuits tab because he hasn't been playing the game when they implemented this change but it's been kind of annoying with with the ui change that they made with season of opulence so they are going to be fixing that and changing that as well yeah they're going to be separating the bounties from the uh pursuits which is good yeah, because right good. now it's a jumbled mess yeah it's it's going to be a welcoming change and then also um luke smith talked about eververse and uh shadow price do you want to uh let everyone know what luke smith stated about eververse Sure. Uh, Eververse changes. Uh, so he goes on to state, last year we thought long and hard about Eververse and how we wanted to change the strategy around microtransactions and destiny. As some folks have smartly pointed out, microtransactions is a big part of our business being a live game. I'm not going to say microtransactions fund the studio or pays for projects like Shadowkeep. It doesn't wholly fund either of those things but it does help fund ongoing development of Destiny 2 and allows us to fund creative efforts we otherwise couldn't afford. For example, 
Whisper of the Worms ornaments were successful enough that it paid dev cost wise for zero hour missions and rewards to be constructed. This shit matters. We have made deliberate choices related to cosmetic items, not having them come from gameplay. Gameplay rewards are where you get items, power, mods, perk combinations, stats, triumphs, and titles. The aesthetics for armor blur the line some. We want players to get cool armor from activities in the world that feel thematic to where they were, they were acquired. Cosmetic items like universal ornaments, weapon, ornaments, shaders, ship, sparrows, emotes, and finishers typically come from the store. There are exceptions, but generally speaking, that's how we think about this. So he actually also went on to clarify what, you know, about the microtransactions, um, that it's not just going to be from Eververse, like to get the ghosts, the ships, the sparrows, and stuff like that. You're, you're still going to be able to get them from other activities based on thematically where they would be. So I want to throw that little nugget in there too. Yeah, so these are really interesting things to learn about Eververse because I wasn't aware that Eververse essentially helped for them to make the Outbreak mission possible. Me neither. That's news to me. That was really interesting to, to see. And... In terms of Eververse, since they launched it, how do you guys feel about the Eververse system? Do you guys think it's fine? Do you guys not like it? I think um, people have the right to pay for whatever they want to pay for. And, you know, if there's from the last that I checked, a lot of it, you know, 90% of it was cosmetic and just made you look different. So unless they added like, you know, a Gallahorn that I can buy with silver, you know, or an icebreaker or something like that. I don't think it's really that big of a deal, especially if, if you know it's funding stuff like like Outbreak, which you know everybody went nuts for Outbreak when Outbreak came out. So that's an all-around good thing, if you ask me. I had no prior knowledge of that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, when it launched first, and you were getting like you could buy engram uh, packages and things like that. Like, I was kind of against it a little bit because it was more just like. Uh, you know loot boxes basically right but it seems like they're getting away from that more and it's more direct direct purchase and being that it is direct purchase and it is bungie now doing this there's no more activision in the picture it's going on to wholly fund bungie that's gonna be an all-around good thing for them so i'm more with um i'm not so much against it as i was before um i'm more you know, accepting of it. I think for me, overall, I've been accepting of it. I think there were a couple of instances where Eververse had a really bad taste in my mouth. And I remember there was a essentially a content drought. And Iron Banner came back, and there was some ornament or something for Iron Banner that was exclusive, and you had to spend $10 on it. I think mm -hmm. in that situation... I, I didn't like it because there wasn't enough for me to play. And the one cool thing that you guys brought back with Iron Banner was hidden behind a paywall. I didn't like yeah, it. If, and it was yeah. just a cosmetic item, mind you. I think it was like uh, an emote or something like that. But it was Yeah, it was cool. an emote. It was an exotic emote. But it would have been nice if that way you could have earned that in the game. Yeah. Playing, 
people would have played Iron Banner if that, that was up for grabs. Let me let me put it this way. My my philosophy is this. If the company is keeping me playing the game, there's enough for me to do in the game. I don't mind spending money on extra things like weapon skins. And actually, I did spend money on the Whisper skin for the Whisper weapon because I enjoyed the mission so much. I just wanted to support them a little bit extra. I did the same thing with Outbreak. I got the Outbreak uh, skin as well because I think the Outbreak mission was so well designed. And it's just my way to reward them. But I do feel that if there's a content drought and there's not enough new stuff for me to do and you just bring back the old activities and then say, hey, buy this now, I think that's where it becomes kind of crappy for them to do. A little sketchy. So it's mm-hmm. just, you know, be good to each other. That's all. You know, and if Bungie treats their players well, I don't mind having DLC. And not not DLC, but uh, microtransactions. But they need to give us enough that keeps us playing the game. Yeah, don't so put like all the progression back. into into Eververse, and I think they've gotten away from that. So, I, I mean, with us be able to look the way we want and putting all the our different ornaments on our, you know, be able to select them on our armor and everything, you know that that's a that's a good step. In the right direction yeah the armor 2.0 is definitely a definitely a step in the right direction if you ask me mm-hmm. yeah i i think that uh it's going to be interesting to see them implement more of a direct purchase system i think it's kind of necessary especially in today's uh society where loot boxes have come under fire overall in the gaming industry people are not on board with just spending money on a chance to get something. And I think that the business model in video games is shifting from that to a more direct purchase model, which I support more so than what they've done before. And I really hope that through this extra money that they make through the uh, microtransactions, I think they're able to hopefully give us more content to keep us playing the game, to keep us entertained and to have more stuff for us to do. Yeah. I I think there's going to be a lot more depth in the game come shadow keep, like just the few things that they've, you know, they showed off earlier, like in the stream yesterday, when I come to armor 2.0 and, you know, we still don't know a lot about a lot of the mods you know, we don't know about too many of the about the enemies we're fighting or anything like that yet. There's a lot of stuff we still don't know. It's always fun coming into new content, especially when that content is good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and then lastly, we know that Luke Smith talked about the menagerie and escalation protocol. He gave some insight to their feeling on EP. Uh, they really enjoyed how escalation protocol. Uh, played out, which I enjoyed Escalation Protocol. I had my fun in it. Um, I think that some of my favorite weapons came from EP. The EP shotgun to this day is my favorite shotgun in Destiny. I really enjoy that. Also, I think the armor looked really, really cool in uh, Escalation Protocol. Yeah, it looks like very, like, um, almost looks like uh, stuff from like Wrath of the Machine, almost like 
I got to go back and play that and get some more of that armor. I'll do that in Shadow Keep, though, so I can get that armor and it'd be 2.0 armor. And, and you know, it's interesting you say that because in Shadow Keep, you'll be able to essentially get version 2.0 of everything that's in the game right now. So you'll have a reason to go back and play the old raids. You'll have yeah. a reason to go and play Escalation Protocol and all the content with that. So I think that's kind of welcoming. Um, that'll give us a reason to grind out and try to get the best uh, mods and the best uh, armor in the game. And I think that's pretty what, exciting for me. What they didn't say yet, though, are those activities going to scale up or are they going to be still in the like, same like realm of power? Mm. I think they'll probably scale up because our Guardian is going to scale up. Everybody's going to be 750 in Shadowkeep. So, you know, I didn't think about that. Do you guys think everything's going to scale up and be more challenging with the raids and all the miscellaneous? I think it content? has the potential to be because let's say, you know, they want to, we go in to play that content, we go in to play the raids, the Leviathan, you go play Escalation Protocol, Spire of Stars. Like that stuff's not going to drop at like year one power, right? I mean, we're, they're, putting all our weapons up to 750 and all our gear. So hopefully it would drop at 750. Yeah, but you never know. You know, if they follow suit, they kind of left some of the old stuff in Destiny 1, you know, at minimum light level for a while. Yeah. I think they're going to talk about that. He's going to talk about that in part three tomorrow, the director's cut, if I'm not mistaken, because I think that's going to talk about power and um, how the, how not, not just right. power, but the enemies and you know their, their their damage numbers and things like that so yeah it's going to be really interesting to to see what luke smith has to say tomorrow with part three of the director's cut and um from my understanding part three will be talking about the inevitable collision of action and rpg uh we take a hard look at damage Shadowkeep will be bringing many changes to buffs, debuffs, stacking, supers, and more. So it sounds like this is going to be a pretty big change from what we have now in terms of how we level up, how we progress, and how we become more powerful with buffs and supers and all that good stuff. And let's... Um, I guess wrap things up for the evening to talk a little bit about the Bungie weekly update or this week at Bungie. DMG is back this week after a, I guess, some time away. He actually had a baby. Uh, they did talk about the director's cut, mentioning that part one was uh, themed around Luke's exploration, exploration of learning of Destiny 2 year two and the annual pass what went well, what didn't, and what we learned. Uh, this is a bit of a read, so make sure you have some snacks before you start. And that was part one that we talked about today. Part two that launched uh, earlier today covered uh, a deeper discussion on what the live stream covered, providing additional context for how... We will transition from the armor that we wear to armor 2.0 in the fall. Uh, Luke Smith also covered how 
we would acquire power and how that would change with new light and uh, the new power system that we'll be launching with Shadow Keep in October. And the um, update went on to talk about some cosmetic changes that are happening in the game. Of course, we did get the new mod system that was revealed in the live stream. Did you guys happen to catch that? When oh, part three, yeah, part three. yeah, yeah, they said, uh, yeah, it's going to talk about like the um, the damage numbers and things like that for part three. I saw it somewhere in this thing. Man. Ah, here we go. Part three, more power, more problems. They said, uh, we originally had this as Mo instead of more, but I changed it upon the sad realization that there's an entire generation of players who missed out on Biggie, Puffy, and Mace in the bad boy era. Yes, it's kind of weird that I changed this and left the Highlander reference in, especially when neither is T for teen. <laughs> I'm the first to say it. Raising the power of all players globally is indicative of a greater problem. It's weird, real weird, that someone will boot up New Light for the first time and immediately be 750. So the capital P power level in Destiny or Light is always, it was called in D1, has been asked to do a lot over the years for a time in Destiny 1. It was one of the only things players had to pursue. And D1 power slash light meant everything, something in terms of achievement, but that badge of honor had its problems. Forever 29 via raid boots. <laughs> For me, it was the helmet. I couldn't get the helmet. Like, it took me a while to get the helmet. Into, uh... It's the damn gloves for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was the helmet. That was the four thing. Weeks was... Is, four weeks is what I what happened. Achieved. Yeah, I didn't get it before me too, so it felt even worse. Yeah, I didn't get mine until almost Thanksgiving and everything. I remember back in 2014. I didn't get my helmet till at least then. And uh when I got it though, it was I was pretty freaking happy. Like I was like, yes. I was like super Such happy. A good feeling. Yeah, when you get that drop and it's just like, yeah. Now I get yeah. to go grind out these shards and everything. Or they send exactly. shards to level it up. <laughs> we know the weekly update was... I don't think it was too eventful uh, this week. Uh, because we had everything that already like Exactly. Because so, everything And we're going to have part three before. coming. Yeah. We're going to have part three coming tomorrow. Part so. three is going to bring all the goodies with it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the description for part three. Directors cut part three combat the inevitable collision of action and rpg tomorrow we take a hard look at damage shadow keep will bring many changes to buffs debuffs stacking supers and more so it's going to be a pretty substantial update that we'll be getting tomorrow yeah i think we'll get a lot of our questions answered about how uh you know enemy damage and things like that come to Yes, that's going to be pretty exciting, and you can check that out at Bungie.net. And other than that, there was a segment called Drestiny, uh, and it starts by saying that uh, while Luke Smith was burning up the keyboard, Deej took to the stream to host members of the development team in exploring new elements of customization coming with Armor 2.0 and Shadow Keeps, stats, mods, appearance, and more were discussed throughout the stream. If you have not checked it out, 
We're going to put that in the show notes and it'll be available on our website at destinyshow.com. So do make sure to check it out if you haven't already. Did you guys get a chance to check the stream out at all? I have not. I watched it like three times, but I, you know, I'm a... I'm a fanboy when it comes to Destiny, so I get really excited whenever they have new reveals and new docu documentaries and buy docs and things like that. Yeah, I I like seeing that stuff too, especially numbers. When they start showing numbers when it comes to your gear and everything, that gets me excited. Yeah, and uh, DMG goes on to state that there are a lot of reasons to be excited for Shadowkeep. Quality of life updates overhauls to investment systems, new ways to fine-tune your monster-killing machine. All of the customization options are coming with Armor 2.0, and um, I'm most excited to rock my favorite Titan Gauntlets once more, decked with the various mods to complement my playstyle. Shax always tells me to throw more grenades, but I sure do love shoulder-charging people into oblivion. That is a really cool image. I am saving that to my desktop for right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the new mod system, it's going to bring back the old system and kind of incorporate that with the new, with the discipline, strength, and resilience and uh, intellect. Intellect, yes. So... Yeah, that's... I like that. That's And that's what I talked about. Remember, Corn? We've had this conversation before. Familiarity. Familiarity, things that you like, you were used to, and like connects you to the world. Those three numbers connected us so much in Destiny One: intelligence, strength, and discipline. Yeah, it made all the difference in the world. And now you have it paired with the three stats from D two. So having all those stats, like you know, you're going to be able to customize all these awesome builds. And we know in addition to that, Destiny's introducing something kind of new. It's sort of a fashion show, if you will. Destiny. And Destiny, boys. I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing you'll be able to showcase <laughs> your favorite uh, way to dress in Destiny. And you'll be able to earn a cool emblem if you are successful if they choose you so it's kind of like a bungee bounty but for how you dress this would be interesting yeah my part taking this sweet. it's I'll like a to... destiny fashion show so that's that's kind of interesting and then um, of course we also learn a little bit more about cross save and we know that Coming next week Next week, yeah, Steam is going to be the main place where we play Destiny this fall. And we'll be able to start linking our account starting next uh, Tuesday on the 20th. So that's I'm going to do it just for the option of being able to, you know, might, might hop and play with some people on PlayStation. You know, I'm not saying that I won't do it. It's just nice to have that option. Yeah, a lot of folks appreciated that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. and there were some some more things that uh, Bungie detailed about uh, next Wednesday on the 21st. Cross-save is coming, so players will be able to transfer their character from one platform to another. 
there are some things that we should note with this. Expansion destinations and activities. When cross-save launches on August 21st, cross-save enabled players will not be able to access expansion destinations or activities from platforms where they do not own that expansion license until the corresponding expansion is purchased on that platform. So that means if you own Destiny on PC, you decide, hey, I want to play with my friends on Xbox. You don't own Forsaken on Xbox. You will not be able to access the Forsaken content until you make the purchase of that content on a corresponding platform that you're playing. So that makes sense. Yeah, you'll be able to go around in the different environments when new light comes out, though. Um, but yeah, you won't be able to access the premium content unless you purchase that content on that platform. Yeah. So that makes sense. And they also talk about powerful rewards. When cross-save launches on August 21st, cross-save enabled players who earn gear on platforms where they do not own Forsaken will receive that gear at below Forsaken power levels until Forsaken is purchased on that platform. For example, a cross-save enabled player on a 750 power character who owns Forsaken on their Xbox One account but not on PlayStation 4 will receive all powerful gear drops at 380 power when earned on PS4 while cross-saving their Xbox One character. Yep, and then they go ahead and say these power restrictions will be removed in update 2.6 <clears throat> with the launch of New Light and Shadow Peak later this year. So literally just have to wait till October 1st for all everything to be 750. Interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. It's a new approach for them. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's, I'm excited. It's definitely something, definitely something new. So that's it's kind of refreshing in a sense. So I'm curious to see where they go from here. Yeah, and I know why they're doing it. They want to have everybody on the same playing field at the start in line and everything. You know, there's going to be so many new players coming in to the game. And they're going to be confused on what the hell to do, where to even begin. Yeah, and you know, this is something we talked about uh, quite often with myself and Shadow Price. But like, in the past, we kind of knew how we can prepare for the new raid and the new content now. I don't know we don't what know. to do. I just yeah, exactly. don't know. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I'm thinking that farming to get my solstice armor on all three characters will help because that armor will be armor 2.0. But who knows if once we start playing the campaign in the new expansion that's coming out in October, that we won't be getting armor 2.0 right from the start anyway. So I really hope that this solstice armor 2.0 will be useful in the new raid and the new endgame content but we don't exactly know how that all is going to play out yeah and that's another thing that um luke and um mark said they said the end game is going to happen like right when you step into shadow King, basically and that's kind of like why they brought everybody to 750 you're mm -hmm. going to be in the end game but it's going to evolve from there on out as you play. Yeah, and we know that the Bungie weekly update was uh, concluded with a bunch of movies of the week contenders. So congratulations to everyone who was nominated. Um, first video is called The Roundish Table. Second video for honorable mention is called Get Ready to Drop. 
if you do want to check that out, you can check it out on Bungie's website at bungie.net with this latest This Week at Bungie. And DMG concludes the update by stating the following. That's a wrap. Well, sort of. We'll see you all bright and early tomorrow morning for part three of the director's cut. Seeing as though I got a crucible tattoo, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the details that Luke Smith will be sharing. Until next time, I'll be finishing up my Solstice sets. And that was the Bungie Weekly update that came out this week. So there was a little bit of a teaser that uh, Luke Smith will be talking about Crucible tomorrow morning, so we will have plenty to talk about next week on the show. And, um, yeah, and that was the Bungie Weekly Update. What did you guys think about, uh, this one? Five spicy tuna rolls. Based on all the information that we got, man, like, this director's cut is something, this was special. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. We're gonna so, get part three tomorrow, so, so it's... I don't think be, we feel welfare in our Crazy. Sure. Yeah. We have a thing on the show where we rate the update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and five. One being stinky spicy tuna rolls, so you don't want to eat those, to five five star spicy tuna rolls. How would you rate this update, uh, Welfare? Based on the, the knowledge that I have, I would have to put the five spicy tuna rolls. So everybody seems to be super stoked on that. And if everybody's stoked on that, I'm happy for them, and I'm stoked on it too. I'm ready for Shadow Keep to come so I can get back to kicking some ass and taking some names. Very cool. And yeah, I'm going to give this update, um, I would say 4.5 Space Tune rolls. Because I, he had to be different. I had to be different, just like last week, right? So <laughs> I think that the update was good. I think we got a lot of information that we already got. Before. Information overload, though. Like, I mean, yeah, just from it, that. Like, it really was director's cut like and part three coming tomorrow and everything you know just so there's so much information in that in that yeah. read yeah i think there's a lot of a lot of information to digest from bungie and we have so much to be excited for with destiny this fall and uh i'd like to thank welfare for hanging out with us tonight he was an awesome guest on the show and thank you so much for hanging out and for sharing your knowledge and for sharing how your community got started and your experience in destiny. So we really appreciate you being on the show with us. And, uh, yeah, no before problem. thanks we let... for having me. Yeah. No, oh, dude, absolutely. And welfare, before we let you go, where can we learn more about you and what you do and where can we find your discord channel? Um, you can, you can find us just, Pretty much by word of mouth, I guess. Discord.gg slash D2PCLFG. Uh, my DMs are open to pretty much everybody, and I'm really good at replying. So if you ever have questions, you can feel free to DM me, and I usually reply back instantly. Or if I'm sleeping, you know, whatever. I'm human. I sleep. So I'm a very easy to get a hold of. So chances are, if I pinged you and you're here, you <laughs> Awesome. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? Uh, my DMs are open too. And uh, you can follow me on, uh, I'm at ShadowPrice79 on Twitter. And uh, also on here, 
on the Destiny Show podcast on twitch.tv forward slash Destiny Show. Very cool. And you can find myself on my Twitter account at OMG Cornholio. You can also find us on our new Twitter home at Destiny Show POD for the latest podcast updates. We are also live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash The Destiny Show. We're also on the web. You can find the latest show notes for all of our episodes at destinyshow.com. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in and for our live audience for hanging out with us on the podcast. We really appreciate you guys. And thank you very much for your support for coming out and hanging out tonight on the destiny show podcast we will be back next week for another episode of the podcast to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal, and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.